0: Welcome to Inside the Crease, the podcast from Power Hockey Canada, dedicated to the Power Hockey community, showcasing the sport, the players, the coaches, and the unique and inspiring stories of life with a disability that break down barriers. Now, please welcome your host, Matt Vocino.
1: Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Inside the Crease, presented by Power Hockey Canada, Joining me today are Ryan and Frank Bellamy. How are you guys doing today? Doing all good, right.
2: Good. How are you
1: doing? Good. I'm extremely excited to have you guys on. It's uh, shaping up to be a great episode. We got some exciting questions coming up, so let's jump right into it. Um, all right. Obviously, you guys have been involved in the sport for five years now, um, but how did how did you guys get your start in power hockey?
2: Um. So this was. Sorry, do you want to go ahead, or
0: want me to uh, go ahead? Yeah, I, I can go ahead if you want. Sure. I mean, from from my perspective, um, in the sort of early going, uh, you know, we're basically we're trying to find something for Ryan. You know, something that was his own, something to do, something that he'd really love. And and we tried a number of things. Actually, we tried mm-hmm. drums. We tried. Uh, curling for those with disabilities and it's not like he you know he he didn't mind them but he he didn't really love them and we found out about the uh power chair hockey through curling we kind of heard about it and so what ended up happening was given his age he was just kind of lining up to be the right age to be able to to join the league uh combined with uh, that was right around the time when we got our first uh, accessible vehicle. So obviously, you know, that's really important to be able to transport the chair. And so Absolutely. R- Ryan seemed really interested in giving it a shot. And so uh, so that's, that's kind of how we got started. And for me, I mean, the volunteering aspect came quite a bit later. And, you know, in the early going, it was all about Ryan.
1: Yeah, for sure. And before we get into that, Frank, Ryan, obviously, you're uh, a hockey fan now, but When you were growing up, before you got into the sport, was hockey something that you had a passion for? Did you, say, watch the Leafs on TV or the NHL or or anything like that? I know your older brother played hockey.
2: How did that influence you? I think my brother had a very big influence on me. Um, I guess as soon as he stepped on the ice and I started watching him play, I was intrigued from the moment he started and I was always wanting to play like he was mm-hmm. and and also I watched after that I started watching hockey on tv started liking the penguins and everything
1: awesome yeah I guess that would have been right around the time because there were a few years younger than me but you probably would have seen them in my heyday I guess late 2000s or- not late 2000s, but late 2010s, seemed to win the Stanley Cup, so I'm sure that yeah. would have been exciting.
2: Yeah, it um, was.
1: Yeah, for sure, like, three years, and three cups in the last 10 years. It's impressive. It's a good team to do yeah. on. Um, so, obviously, since you've been uh, playing power hockey, you've had, like, an impressive career, number of championships, scoring titles, most outstanding player, but you've also had the opportunity to play internationally both in the US as well as in Italy and Australia. When you first began playing, did you ever expect to sort of have these amazing experiences and get to travel around the world? Like, I'm,
2: I'm definitely jealous of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would never have expected to go to all these different places. And at the start, I didn't even know that there was these big tournaments. I thought it was just like a house league and mm-hmm. everything. Um, and when I heard about the opportunities, I wanted to work very hard to try and be a part of those opportunities, but I didn't think I'd be able to enjoy them so quickly in my career.
1: Absolutely, and have you had any memories over the years that really stand out from these international competitions?
2: One main thing would be um getting to I guess bond with all the teammates and stuff. But um, being able to play is also an amazing thing. For sure. I I don't even I can't imagine what it feels like to get
1: to, to represent your country and wear that Canadian jersey. It's it's impressive. It's an extreme honor. Um, yeah. Frank turn to you for a second when Ryan first started playing para-hockey and getting involved in para-sports, did you ever expect him to have such success and have these amazing uh,
0: experiences? (laughs) i got to tell you, I've said this to a couple people before. Um, With respect to Ryan and the accomplishments and looking back to to when he joined the league as as a 13-year-old, if someone had said to me then, these are all the things that are going to happen. I would have said, I would have said, we would probably have about the same probability as a family of us, like going to the moon, you know, it was, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, it. and and part of that's because all the possibilities weren't, you know, weren't evident. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not so much a lack of belief and ability or anything like that. I don't want it to sound the wrong way. But, you know, but just like like when Ryan started, he was 13 and the next youngest player in the entire league was 18. That's that's a huge difference. Right. So and of course, you know, the bulk of the players are they're they're basically all adults. Right. And so it was just hard to imagine, like, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Like I, I really thought like Ryan would see some, some moderate success in there, but I, I just never imagined it would go the way that it did.
1: No, for sure. Like you said, it's only been, I guess, five years and you guys have already done so much, Ryan, so many success, so many trips. Um, Ryan, let your dad mention when you started, you were only 13, both of the adults or both of the players sorry were adults. was it an adjustment and a learning curve for you and and was it challenging being beyond this player for a while?
2: Yeah, I think it, it was very challenging It did a little bit, but then when I started to get to know all the guys and girls in the league, it was. It got way better because it it wasn't so bad in the end. It was actually awesome. Yeah, and it, it's being I, against I, older players.
1: I'm glad you mentioned getting to know some of the older players. Um, in the previous episode, we spoke to Kirk Ashman about mentorship, and I know you guys have a pretty good relationship. So, how did he impact your career, and how did he help you uh, essentially become the player that you are today?
2: geez um well having him as a mentor and also a friend has been really awesome um I think it's important to always when you're first starting sports to have a mentor to help you through all the good times and the hard times in the sport um absolutely it was awesome to be able to create a friendship with him and like I never would have thought that would happen at the start but then he he was very friendly so absolutely I I apologize for not knowing this but were you guys ever on the same team when you first started or how did that friendship sort of start and blossom yeah we the first three years I played we were on the same team um yeah Sometimes sitting on the bench, we would chat a lot. Yeah. And yeah, that's how it started.
1: Was there was there any uh, piece of advice that really stuck with you that he gave you early
2: on? One thing that really stood out was like telling me not to give up and keep trying my hardest and then things would work out.
1: Uh, no, I think that's a great piece of advice. I think one thing that's really important and unique about power hockey in particular is the the game is so accessible. Um it's it's not really a sport like Sledgehoppy where you need to have certain abilities. It's open yeah. to a wide variety of people with disabilities and different limitations and, and capabilities. So I, I think that's a great piece of advice. Like never give up just because you might not be one of the better players right away. You have the ability to sort of find your role and your niche in the game that you can be successful at. Um turning it back to you, Frank. Obviously, now you're a coach, you've been uh, a volunteer coach in the House League for a number of years. But why was it important for you to get involved in the sport and, and
0: coach Ryan? Um, I think the um, for it to be important and a rewarding aspect of it, I think, is, is just knowing that I'm contributing to allow – a, a number of people to sort of reap all the benefits of being a parasport athlete like just knowing that I'm contributing to help them be able to do that you know is really important and and secondly um, in this league in particular in power hockey like just the people are just great I just just love the people whether it's players, coaches, volunteers fans you know those who run the organization like just it's just a great set of people and you know, I'm really grateful for the opportunity that it's brought Ryan, and I'm 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 really happy to be able to to contribute as well in my own small way. Um, it's just an opportunity to create lifelong friendships with with these people, and it's just it's just awesome.
1: For sure, and uh, you, you see in in, in able bodied sports that when parents are involved in coaching aspect in particular there's that fine line of being a coach and being a parent. So obviously you're, you're Ryan's coach in the house league. How do you, right.
0: how do you, how
1: do you balance that? that yeah, parental role and, and the
0: coaching role. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's interesting that you asked that, you know, it, it really, you have to start from a balanced point of view you, you've you got to be able to compartmentalize like you've just you've got to separate being a coach from being a parent mm-hmm. and what's one of the things that's if i had to say one thing that's probably the most important thing is just as a person in general you have to start out by being able to be objective mm-hmm. you have to be able to assess your child in the same way you would any other player you know without without bias and so it can't be too hard on your child. You can't favor them. You've got to basically treat them like any other player. And I already had some experience with this because I actually coached Ryan's older brother, Adam, when he played for a few years. And so I you know, went through some gro- gro- me, growing pains and some experience there. And so learned some things. Um, if I had to give some advice about it, it's kind of interesting because – being able to assess whether or not you possess the objectivity that you need, you already need to kind of be objective to self-assess, right? So it's a bit of a catch-22. So um, I think it's a good idea to kind of – consult not just with your child but with your family and really sort of talk about what the situation what you know this types of situations that may arise and make sure that you can work through them and you have to make an agreement with your child you know you basically have to say look when when it's when it's game time that means or, or practices or whatever that means you know the coach slash parent treats their child as a player uh, mm-hmm. and the player talks to and and treats their parent like a coach and 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 i think it's also the last bit of advice i'd say is it's also important to to kind of always assess the situation um talk to your child about it see how it's working out you know and and be honest but you know both ways and because you want the experience to be positive at the beginning of each season i ask ryan the same question are you still okay with me coaching you know is it you know because for me uh, as much as i love to volunteer like for me this is about ryan first you know, and, and it's his thing and I would never want to do anything to jeopardize his enjoyment of it. And so I think it's important to communicate.
1: No, for sure. I I, I can relate to that a little bit. My dad for a number of years also touched me and we sort of had those uh similar conversations at the beginning of every season. where he was like, Matt, are you okay with me coaching again this year? And and I think as long as there's those open communications and everybody's on board uh it works pretty smoothly um ryan how much have you enjoyed having your father on the bench the last number of years
0: you can be honest right
1: yeah you can, be honest. <laughs> you, can be, you can be totally honest if, if you want me to start, i'll i'll be honest uh having my dad as coach was great but we definitely butted heads a little bit on the bench sometimes because we're both competitive right so if we disagreed with what
2: each other were doing it comes out so yeah like the dad said be honest <laughs> It's actually been really smooth. We haven't butted heads yet. Might come, but... (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but honestly, I actually really like it. Yeah, and having my dad coach, um, I don't know, it just adds more excitement. It adds more uh, energy to the bench, I would say. That's
1: definitely a good thing. Definitely a good thing. Um, Turning back to you for a second, Frank, obviously you've been following the sport for five years since Ryan has been playing, but since you've been on the bench, how has your appreciation and your perspective of of para-sports changed um, now that you have a closer front row seat to Ryan and his teammates?
0: I think, you know, as far as perspective goes, I think people, some people may watch parasports and and be surprised at what the athletes are capable of. But I I don't look at it quite that way, you know, because I've actually always kind of respected and admired and been a bit intrigued by basically human's ability to adapt and improve at things, you know, like it's, you see what people are capable of in general when they practice and practice and practice it it could be anything right like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be sports doesn't doesn't matter what it is it, it's just amazing what what people can achieve and so i'm not surprised to see what the athletes are capable of but you touched on one point that's one of the first things i always bring up about power chair hockey and you touched on it earlier is when you look at para sports in general, uh, the it it's great that they exist, but a lot of the para sports are not entirely inclusive within the community of people with disabilities. Yeah, mm-hmm. A lot of them require upper body strength. You know, whether you're talking about sledge hockey or wheelchair basketball, or whatever the sport may be. Mm-hmm. The thing that stood out to me right from the beginning about uh, power chair hockey is. it's so widely inclusive because anybody can play it anybody that can drive a chair can play that sport so that's the first thing that you know the the first perspective i have on and then the second thing is just it really serves as a reminder of how important the availability is of para sports and what competitive sports are about general you know about building confidence and, and teaching teamwork and other life skills and it just gives that opportunity like Ryan mentioned earlier to form just great friendships and I tell you from a front row seat uh, as a as a parent uh watching uh, and then as a coach uh, this changed Ryan's life there's no there's no two ways about it like Ryan was amazing. very very shy and he just just this spark of success that started from the beginning just changed the way he looked at everything. You know, he mm-hmm. he suddenly his confidence grew enormously. He became a better student. He wanted to be, you know, he was competitive. He wanted to be a better student, you know, and and, or, and wanted to be better at whatever he was doing. And so it really had a huge impact. And I'll tell you, there's I'll just give you this one little anecdote. The one of the things early on that really, really stood out for me—it's kind of hard to explain it—but I'll never forget at the beginning of the first season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ryan had had a, a a really you know good season for his first season as a thirteen-year-old, and and I can't stress how how shy he was at the time, right? And when they announced the tryouts for the team that was going to go to the North American championships, Ryan took a form and he basically went right up himself and he was determined to try out. And that for me, That's that awesome. was a, that was a big thing. You know, that was a big step out for him at the time. And so that, that really showed to me how much, you know, he really, he really loved it.
1: Ryan, you you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier when we were talking about uh, Kirk and your relationship and, and, and your dad sort of mentioned it, like you become more successful, uh, more outgoing, which is obvious and evident from as long as I've known you. But do you think, aside from just excelling it, at the sport, do you think seen other adults that were disabled that were like us uh, be successful in the world sort of helped you and and shaped you outside of playing the game of hockey?
2: Um I think it's impacted me a little bit. I think it's definitely given me more confidence um that I can do uh more things other sure. than just be able to play hockey and for for sure. I think that's at the end of the day it's really important kind of like what your
1: dad mentioned and what you've reiterated. Playing power sports and para sports in general isn't just about the the sport and the activity; it's about the life lessons that you can learn along the way. Um, obviously, now you're a, you're a seasoned player; you've been in the sport for a number of years, um, but not too long ago you were a younger player. So, um, assuming we get up and running in the next year, hopefully, and, and yeah. the COVID situation is under control. Um, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be some younger players starting out, so what what piece of advice would you give them?
2: Um, I'd say come in with an open mind um, and I guess give it a couple tries if you don't like it the first time. And I th- most important, like Kirk told me, never give up and always um, achieve greater than a goal you
1: set for sure honestly guys i really appreciate you talking to me but before i let you go we that inside the trees we like to dig a little bit deeper than just talking about parasports and disability um so i know you two guys are big techies how did you get into that as a hobby and and how did that sort of creep into other areas of your life ryan or frank take it away
2: uh, I'll let you go you, first because I have you, something to say after that.
0: <laughs> okay, sure. On, um, yeah. Well, from a, well, I mean, just from a tech standpoint in general, um, I started pretty young. Actually, I got my first computer when I was thirteen, um, and I just took to it like uh, for whatever reason. Um, it wasn't. You know it wasn't just playing games by any means. it was like teaching myself you know programming. and ultimately I went to university and graduated with a, a computer engineering degree from Waterloo and I'm a software architect slash developer and so that from a technical standpoint mm-hmm. that's that's certainly uh, that's certainly my foray, you know <laughs> basically in in front of a computer quite a bit so. yeah
2: how about you Ryan um well I got into this because of uh, my dad um I've al- always always liked techy stuff um just because of him um watching him do some stuff I liked being creative because my brother was also really good at art and stuff so mm. I want to do that on the computer, and
1: I've uh, I've seen some of the stuff you guys have been working on from an artistic standpoint the last couple months and couple years that I've known you. Um, for the both of you, any any big ideas or projects on the go right now that we should keep an eye open for?
0: Well, I mean, from my standpoint, um, Ryan mentioned the whole creativity thing, and that I I I mean I. I like to draw ever since, like I started pretty young, like probably like eight, you know, as an eight year old or something, I started to draw a fair bit. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of started to cross section with technology. And before, uh, before our older son was born, um, I, I got a sort of I got to try a a tablet, not, I mean, this is back in the day. So this is not an iPad. This is like (laughs) a a, a Wacom tablet that you can basically draw on, you know, and you get the results on the screen. Right. So Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that. And so that transitioned into me doing basically digital paintings. Like every year I would do a painting for each child's birthday you know each of adam and ryan's birthdays and i'd have them printed at a high quality and framed and i'd give them to them for their birthday and then uh basically they're they're still those those pictures are still hanging on their walls today that's amazing yeah and lastly like things kind of transitioned that was my sort of first crossover away from just sort of traditional drawing and art but i really I really like to just create things and see the results, and so I went from drawing to digital paintings to doing some 3D design work for the purpose of 3D printing. I like to spend a long time carving fancy pumpkins, making decorative cakes. I've started basically recently doing pyrography, which is wood burning, and then you know, even designed the logos for the house league jerseys. Uh, and so I, I, there's just I like to just be creative, you know, and see the results of, of what I, what I make.
1: Uh, before I let you guys go, we have a little fun segment that we like to do uh, inside the place installed. The six shot shootout.
0: Now it's time for the six shot shootout. It's six rapid fire questions coming at you. So get ready. So I'm going to hit you guys with six
1: questions. And it's like this or that. Um, So I'll save a question and you guys can both answer. You guys ready?
0: Yep. Sure. All right. Don't
1: worry. There's nothing too stressful. Um, First question for both of you. Are you guys morning or night people? Ryan, you start.
2: Night. How about you, Frank?
0: Definitely night. I... Well, really, both. I go to bed late, get up early. I used to be a night person, now I'm kind of a bit of both, really.
1: I'm putting the candle at both ends. I like the dedication.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> burgers or pizza,
2: and what's your favorite toppings? I would do both. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> um, and I'm, I don't put many toppings on my burgers or pizza. Mainly just like cheese on my pizza, maybe bit of pepperoni and then just usually cheeseburger yeah
1: i'm the same way man
2: keep a classic
1: taste all the flavors of the burger and of the of the tomato sauce how about you frank
0: uh i would definitely have to go with pizza i hey look i love burgers but but i think i like pizza more um as far as toppings go like if i had to pick one i think peppers whether green or red or whatever i i like peppers are probably my favorite vegetable, so I'd have to go with peppers
1: I like that, me too, they're really good uh, money or fame? Uh, <laughs> that is a tough one, I'm not sure maybe a little bit of both, how about you Frank?
0: I would definitely pick money for not because I'm greedy but for practical purposes you know, like I think uh <laughs> I think financial security definitely lowers your stress level. And also, uh, I think I think fame would get old after a, after a, not too long, you know, not being able to live your, live your life the way you want to live it, you know.
1: <laughs> Dude, we can only yeah. handle too much paparazzi. Uh, yeah. Text emails or phone calls. If you had a text, you had a phone call. Text, I'd say. I'm the same way, buddy. How about you, Frank? Uh
0: I think it depends whether it's, I think you'd have to, you know, sort of divide it into personal or, or professional. So professional, it's definitely going to be email more often. Although instant messaging is, is definitely sort of becoming a way of communication, you know, with the whole COVID thing and everybody working <laughs> yeah. at home. Um, but uh, and then from, from a personal standpoint, so I'd lean toward email for professional, and for from a personal standpoint, it would, it would definitely be text.
2: Summer or winter? I would go to say summer. I like the warm <laughs> weather. I I don't like getting stuck in the snow with the, with the <laughs> tires and everything. <laughs> I
1: can totally relate to that.
2: I don't think anybody
0: in
1: a, in a wheelchair likes winter. Frank?
0: Oh, it's easy summer yeah easy easy choice yeah I, i'm i just count the days uh, during winter waiting for the nice weather to come so
1: i know me too luckily we haven't had i guess too much snow this year although the last week hasn't been uh, that kind to us uh last question
2: rock or pop music i would say rock good choice do you have a favorite band I'm not really a fan of the newer
1: pop music. <laughs> I hear that. How about you, Frank? Oh,
0: uh, easy. Rock. I can't, I I just can't, I can't tolerate the <laughs> pop music at all. I just want to plug my ears. So yeah, it's defi- definitely rock.
1: Uh, okay, final question for you both. Um, where, where do you see the future of power hockey uh, in the next, say, five to ten years?
2: Well, I would definitely hope that we can get the sport of power hockey into the Paralympics. That would be the big goal. But For
1: sure. that's a dream.
2: Yeah, that's a dream. No,
1: it's true. I think I think we're on the the right track with more international tournaments uh, in the last couple of years. I think it's definitely a possibility. How about How about you, Frank? What What do you? Uh, hopes of the sport in the next few years
0: yeah i think uh i think on the sort of more realistic side you have to look at domestic growth of the of the game first uh Mm -hmm. and i think there's i i really think it's feasible for some big strides to be made there um Mm -hmm. as far as the international level goes like i definitely agree with ryan like that that's a goal that um that should definitely be held in high regard and and focused on it. You know, it was a real eye opener to go to those world championships in Italy and see how well-developed and funded the programs are in different parts of the world.
1: Very last question. I apologize, but um, obviously in order for Paris sports to grow, having volunteers is extremely important. So what would you say to potential listeners? And uh, view of this podcast. Um, how would you sort of encourage people to get involved and and volunteer with the sport?
0: In terms of encouragement, then I would just say like you know, I, I just touched back on some of the points I mentioned before, you know, just there's just a a great community of people there, and it can be highly rewarding to to just contribute to the whole ecosystem. There are lots of ways to contribute, whether it be. You know whether you've got life experiences that can help grow the sport, or mm-hmm. whether you're a former coach and you might want to you know try your hand at a at a, at a slightly modified game. Uh, whatever the case may be, there's lots of opportunity to chip in, and and again, it's just the the, the the people are just great. I can't can't say that enough, and so it's it's just highly rewarding.
1: You know what? I think that's the perfect way to end it. Guys, I appreciate you (laughs) so much. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it.
0: Uh, No trouble. Thanks a lot for having us. Thank you for joining us on Inside the Crease, the podcast dedicated to the power hockey community. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, subscribe, and tell a friend. Visit our website at insidethecrease.com. And follow us on social media at Inside Crease.